Chapter 1 of Your Psychic Powers and How to Develop Them This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Packard Your Psychic Powers and How to Develop Them By Harroward Carrington Chapter 1 How to Develop Every student of psychics Everyone who has experienced phenomena of one kind or another, or who is more or less mediumistic, desires to know how to develop his own powers and faculties so that the phenomena which come through him may be increased in power, in clearness, and in excellence. It is quite possible to ensure this, since we are all more or less mediumistic or psychic, and need only to cultivate our powers in order to develop them and bring them into maturity. Development may differ according to the character of the phenomena we desire. Those who desire physical phenomena must develop in one way. Those who desire to obtain automatic writing must develop in another. And those who wish to become clairvoyant must develop in still another, and so on. Spontaneous Phenomena To begin, let me give a few general hints to those who have experienced spontaneous phenomena in their waking state or who have experienced remarkable dreams, which they feel signify something, but just what they do not understand. These spontaneous phenomena are often the simplest types of mediumship, though as a matter of fact they are also an indication of psychic power, having but little to do with true mediumistic messages, that is, they are the result of remarkable powers within ourselves. All who obtain phenomena of this nature should make it a point, first of all, to maintain the physical health at the highest possible standard, so that the energies are not drained, and the body remains healthy and the mind clear in its judgment. It is essential to reduce the amount of stimulants which may be taken to the lowest possible quantity, or, if possible, omit them altogether. This applies not only to alcohol and all its forms, but also to tea and coffee. These stimulants excite the nerves and the imagination, and often induce manifestations which are not true psychic phenomena at all, but merely the results of a disordered nervous system. The subject should not eat too much meat. On the other hand, fruits of all kinds, particularly acid fruits such as the pear, peach, plum, orange, and lemon, are especially suitable since the juices of these fruits act upon the liver and tend to cleanse the blood. Of course, these precautions are only for those who are serious in their study, and who are determined to obtain the best possible phenomena. The mind should be exercised in all healthy channels. Do not introspect or reflect too much on your own inner mental conditions. You must learn to live outside of your head, so to speak in the outer world. Do not constantly wonder what is going on within your own brain. If you do, you will surely lead yourself into difficulties later on. In short, you should lead a healthy, active life, and between those times when you experience phenomena, you should think about them as applied to yourself as little as possible. Conditions for Development If you desire to obtain certain manifestations, it is not advisable to sit for them or try to obtain them for longer than 20 minutes to half an hour each day. 
at first five or ten minutes would suffice, and this time can gradually be lengthened as you progress. This is especially important, and the neglect of this rule is one of the great reasons for the dangers which mediums experience later on in their development. Suppose, for example, that someone appeared to you and gave you certain advice as to your course of action. It would certainly be unwise for you to follow this advice in every case without inquiring whether or not it would be just and sensible, and without using your own judgment when the advice was given. Even supposing that the person who appeared to you were really the spirit it claimed to be, there is always the possibility that this spirit may be mistaken, and the further possibility that some malicious and lying spirit is coming to you, pretending to give advice, while in reality it was only leading you astray. There is this further possibility that the figure you saw was not really a spirit at all, but merely the product of your own subconscious imagination. Often this is the case, and yet the figure has given true and sound advice. All that we are saying now is that the judgment of the individual who receives such messages or advice must always be exercised upon the message received. If you do not cultivate this habit, you will find that messages often become more and more insistent when they are not followed, and will sometimes give untrue or lying information. They may even urge you to do certain things which are against your own welfare. All this can only be settled by the exercise of right judgment, and by the advice of those who know how much to believe in the messages. It is for this reason that the counsel and help of one who has had long training and experience in this subject is most desirable during these early stages of mediumship. The Proper Formation of the Circle The proper formation of the circle is of the utmost importance and upon it depends the excellence of the phenomena, and whether or not helpful personalities are drawn into your aura and environment. The best results may be obtained by closely obeying the following rules. From six to ten persons usually constitute a circle. They should range on the average from twenty to fifty years of age. Of these, half should be gentlemen and half ladies, they should sit alternately around a table, or around the room in the case one of the party enters the cabinet. It is desirable to join hands in order to form a battery, so-called, and the feet should be kept flat on the floor. The circle should not last more than two hours, and not less than half an hour. An invocation, or short, earnest prayer, should begin the proceedings, followed by slow and quiet music which may or may not be accompanied by singing, according to the expressed wish of the controls, or the experience of those forming the circle. The light should be subdued, but absolute darkness should not be permitted, unless strict instructions are given to that effect. Avoid dark seances, if possible, at all times. The Value of Flowers It is advisable to have flowers in the seance room whenever possible as their presence is said to attract spirits in a peculiar manner. The spirits say that these flowers are lights. Plenty of fresh air should be allowed to enter the seance room. If any member of the circle be ill, he or she should not be permitted to sit in the circle until well again. A developing circle should meet in the same room, 
since this room tends to become mediumized or soaked in the magnetic influences given off by the sitters. The chairs on which the members of the circle sit should be wood or cane-bottomed. The use of upholstered chairs is generally inadvisable. The table round which the members of the circle sit should be free from metal. The chair on which the medium sits must be cane or wood, and, as already said, free from all cushions or upholstery. Atmospheric Conditions Atmospheric changes play a great and important part in all mediumistic conditions. The drier the atmosphere, the better the phenomena as a rule. On damp, rainy days, little can be obtained. During a thunderstorm, startling phenomena occasionally take place. High, rarefied air is better than that of lower levels, and for that reason a house on the side or even the top of a high mountain should be selected, if possible, in which to hold seances. Failing this, select a house which has as high an altitude as possible. One member of the circle must, by universal consent, undertake to conduct the proceedings, to converse with the spirits when they appear, to arrange the sitters in their proper places, to adjust the amount of light required, etc. His word must be followed at once, and without question, otherwise the necessary harmony will be destroyed, and the circle will fail to obtain as good results. Excitement, in all its forms, should be avoided. If one in the circle develop mediumistic power, he should be placed next to a more fully developed medium, unless instructions are given not to do so. In this way the power is concentrated and focused at one point. Misuse of Spirit Advice Never attempt to use psychic power for worldly purposes. If you do, you will invite mischievous and lying intelligences to your circle, and the medium will possibly lose what mediumship he already possesses. Do not sit too frequently. Every other night at most should sittings be held, or even twice a week. See that the room is not too cool, and is not unduly heated. As soon as the first manifestations have been received, encourage the spirits by talking to them in a natural tone or voice, as you would if they were visibly present in the room. Speak to them as you would if they had returned to earth in bodily form. Be natural, in fact. You will get the best results this way. Many of those who are interested in spiritualism are so situated that they cannot join circles but wish to develop alone. This is as a rule unwise, unless someone is present who understands the phenomena which are likely to develop and who can help and give good advice when required. You may do so if the following instructions are kept carefully in mind. If you can provide yourself with a cabinet, it would be very advisable to do so. Sit inside the cabinet on a comfortable chair and relax yourself thoroughly. Note whatever impressions come to you. Pay particular attention to your bodily feelings, no less than your mental states. Do not exaggerate here, or let your imagination have too free play. If your legs should happen to tingle, or the chair to creak, do not put these down to spiritual influence. They may be due to perfectly normal causes. Symptoms of Oncoming Mediumship For the first few evenings, you will possibly notice nothing much of interest, although very psychic persons begin to develop almost at once. 
A peculiar lightness and buzzing is sometimes experienced in the head, together with a sense of numbness in the hands and arms, and sometimes in the feet and legs. The respiration seems to become slower, and so does the heart. Tiny lights and spots in light, or dark spots, appear in the air at a distance of one to two feet in front of the subject. A peculiar pressure is sometimes experienced on the top of the head, or on the base of the brain, or in the solar plexus. Swishing sounds, as of the sea breaking upon the seashore, may be heard, and a sensation that something inside the head is going round and round in spirals. The head, the hands, and sometimes the whole body break out into a profuse perspiration at this point. These are the first sensations of oncoming mediumship. Very often, they are not pleasant for the first few weeks, but if this period be passed, the unpleasant sensations will, as a rule, vanish, and the subject will then develop true mediumship of one character or another, getting the best results. Just here, it is advisable to state that the would-be medium should not at first sit for the express purpose of cultivating any particular phase of mediumship. He may desire to obtain materialization, but unless he is naturally endowed in this matter, he might sit forever and obtain nothing. Whereas, if he developed whatever phenomena presented themselves, he might very soon develop into a striking medium in some other line. To return, however, to the early development of mediumship. Soon after these early impressions have been noticed, the subject may note for the first time that his mind is peculiarly susceptible to influences of all kinds. He feels as if his mind has been skinned, so to speak, and that he is now exposed to the psychic breezes from every direction. He may become erratic and irritable and develop moods which he himself cannot understand. Peculiar buzzings in the head are, are sometimes heard. Sometimes cloud-like masses seem to form in space before him, twisting and turning and moving up and down and round about in very irregular motion. As a rule, these clouds appear to be of the consistency of vapor, though they may in time become more and more solid until they become built up into definite forms. Of this, however, later. Early Signs and Experiences At this phase of the development, the subject may feel cool breezes blowing upon his hands and face from various directions, breezes which appear to be perfectly physical in character. He may also experience a peculiar sticky sensation on his hands and face, as though cobwebs were applied over the bare skin which is exposed. This cobwebby sensation is very common and is not limited, as many think, to mediums who obtain materialization. Colors and Voices In the early stage of the development, mediums very often see colors of various shades and hues in space before them. They are unable to tell whether or not these colors have any definite shape or outline. They seem to possess an odd, irregular shape of their own, something like a large blot of ink. At this stage, also, many psychics see faces of friends and relatives, either living or dead, just as they are falling asleep or as they are awakening in the morning, usually the former. They also see many strange faces. These may be mere vague images 
or clearly outlined. Instead of the faces, they may hear voices speaking, and the first thing which these voices generally say is the name of the subject himself. After this, the voices may become more and more clear and intense, but such phenomena should be permitted only at stated times, because if they are allowed to develop whenever they may be experienced, trouble may result. Many odd and grotesque figures and shapes may present themselves to the mind's eye at this stage of development. These shapes may be highly colored, or may be almost colorless, seeming to be made of the air itself, yet somehow separated from this in outline. Many of these images are symbolic, though as a rule, a few of them are recognizable. More often they represent curious patterns and figures, such as roses, circles, outlines of patterns, such as may be seen on the wallpaper, and occasionally weird and horrible images flash into the mind, to be gone again in the next instant. Unpleasant Experiences If these manifestations develop an unpleasant character at the time, they should be checked instantly. The subject may do this in several ways. First of all, he should build up his physical health. Second, he should see to it that he obtains plenty of sleep. Third, he should exercise his brain as little as possible on anything of this unpleasant character. Fourth, he should keep busily occupied in material, practical things, and leave himself no time to ponder and dwell upon these unpleasant experiences. Fifth, he should avoid, by all means, daydreaming, and never allow his mind to become passive or absent-minded. He should cultivate his objective attention and interest, in short, and focus his whole personality, as it were, between his eyes, so as to have it under thorough control. If he does this, and refuses to sit for development for a short time, he will find that these early unpleasant symptoms, should they develop, will soon wear off. And this advice holds good for any stage in the development of mediumship. Exaggeration and Imagination Many of those who develop psychic phenomena are inclined to exaggerate the importance of the manifestations they receive during the early stages of their mediumship. Everything seems so new and strange to them, so remarkable, so unaccountable, so beyond the experience of the average person, that they feel bound to tell it to everyone they meet, and usually it loses nothing in the telling. They fail to realize that every medium who has been developed has gone through these same early stages, but has progressed beyond them years before. In observing these phenomena in yourself, you must be very careful to distinguish between the facts which really occur and the fantasies of your own excited imagination, which is inclined to extend and amplify these facts beyond all recognition. Thus, suppose a, a blurred outline of a face presents itself to you. The next day, you meet your cousin on the street. You instantly come to the conclusion that the face you saw was that of your cousin, while, as a matter of fact, it might not have borne the least resemblance to him. This is a very simple case, but will serve to explain the point in question. Why and how your power may be lost. If you obtain such phenomena, you must be very careful not to exaggerate them, for if you do, you will quite possibly lose the real sensitiveness that you are beginning to acquire. 
and this will be replaced by the products of an overexcited imagination. This is a truth well known, as you may see by the following quotation, from a work which appeared in 1813 entitled Animal Magnetism by Deleuze, for in it he says, quote, Do not press the sonambulist too much, for if you do, you will gain nothing. You will even lose the advantages which you might derive from his lucidity. It is possible that you could make him speak upon all the subjects of your personal curiosity, but in that case you will make him leave his own sphere and introduce him in yours. He will no longer have any other resources than yourself. He will utter to you very eloquent discourses, but they will be no more dictated by the external inspirations. They will be the product of his recollections or of his imagination. Perhaps you will also rouse his vanity, and then all is lost. He will not re-enter the circle from which he has wandered. The two states cannot be confounded. The student who cultivates mediumship should, therefore, be careful to preserve a clear head and a modest estimate of his own phenomena. If he does, he will doubtless progress rapidly and favorably. End of chapter 1. Recording by Michael Packard.